You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems and protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. So our journey begins pretty much at late 2022. So back at the time, we were conducting a really thorough hunting project. Uh, We were looking into all sorts of uh, web exploitation conducted by a myriad of uh, threat actors, uh, where we stumbled upon this really interesting uh, anomalous uh, behavior. And that kind of started this whole quest uh, that we embarked on. That's Asaf Dahan, Director of Threat Research at Palo Alto Networks. Also joining us is Daniel Frank, Principal Threat Researcher at Palo Alto. The research we're discussing today is titled Manic Menagerie 2.0, The Evolution of a Highly Motivated Threat Actor. Let's go through it together here. Uh, Can you give us an overview of what exactly we're dealing with here? So Manic Menagerie, first of all, it's a name of a cyber crime group um, that we've been following for uh, over a year now. Um, it's a really kind of an interesting story. It's a story of uh, that involves cyber archaeology, evolution of a threat actor with some plot twists and uh, and a good comeback, you know, because you have to have a good comeback. So, <laughs> so um, the research is really about the reemergence of this uh, cybercrime group that came back from the dead, so to speak. Uh, it was discovered back in 2018. And then like for four years, nobody heard anything about them. And all of a sudden, they launched this massive global campaign that targeted uh, web hosting and IT companies where they were able to compromise thousands of websites around the world that were hosted on these uh, web hosting servers. So uh, the title of your research, which begins with Manic Menagerie 2.0, uh, indicates that there was a original Manic Menagerie. What do we know about them? Well, yeah, so the original... Um 
research in 2018 was published by the Australian uh, Cyber uh, Security Center. And originally, um, this threat actor's motivation was solely to, uh, to monetize. They were deploying cryptocurrency miners. What we saw in our research was, besides these cryptocurrency miners that we did witness as well, was this really interesting shift into, um, as Asaf uh, mentioned before, into um, deploying tons of web shells into these um, legitimate websites hosted on um, on these web hosting companies' um, servers. Yeah, so to expand a little bit on that, when we first uh, witnessed the activity at uh, the end of uh, 2022, initially we thought uh, we were looking at yet another cryptocurrency mining campaign. But uh, as time went by, uh, we saw something that was pretty amazing. They, uh, As we started uh, blocking them, they responded very quickly and tried to uh, bypass our, our mitigations again and again. It turned into this cat and mouse game of uh, we are blocking them and they trying to find smart bypasses. Eventually, they, it seems like they gave up on the cryptocurrency scheme that they were trying to uh, monetize. And it was then where, where we observed this uh, attempt to uh, backdoor uh, a lot of uh, legitimate websites in scale. So, um, yeah, that, so that was pretty interesting to see. Like, uh, first of all, it was like about the re-emerging, re reemergence of a threat actor that has not been seen for almost four years. And then it was this very quick and adaptive shift in their techniques and tactics, which um, was particularly interesting to us. And to help us understand here, when we talk about that pivot, uh, once they'd given up the, the crypto mining, what are they after in this second phase? So it's really interesting. Um, so what they did was to they deployed web shells on the um, affected or legitimate websites that hosted on the web servers, and to us it was you know a real pickle you know like uh, we we questioned ourselves why are they doing what they're doing, and the theories that we came up with uh, have to do with uh, when you're uh, when you run a, a cyber crime operations there are there. Are, multiple ways were uh, which you can make money off right so mm. one is it could be ransomware it could be uh, uh info stealers and um another really um popular way of making money today if you're a cyber crook is to uh sell access so imagine that if you were um if you just uh, got a hold of a web server that hosts thousands or even hundreds of uh, websites that are all legitimate uh, you can potentially install a backdoor there and it will grant you access to that, uh, not only to the website's resource, but to the entire server, so to speak. So, and you can sell this access, you can uh, further, uh, you can use it to deploy other malware so you can collaborate with other cyber gangs. So it's a really nice way for them to, or you can build, you can even build a botnet so it's a really interesting way of uh, monetizing uh, access. We'll be right back.
The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Well, let's dig into some of the technical details here. I mean, what sorts of uh, tactics, techniques, and procedures are these folks using? First of all, in order to um, to infiltrate these um, environments, what we saw was exploitation of um, various um, web-facing applications and IAS servers. This is kind of uh, the first uh, technique that um, that we've noticed. And afterwards, what they did was deploying um, a lot of uh, publicly publicly available tools with some uh, custom tools. Now, I believe that this vast usage of the um, of um, all sorts of publicly available tools, you know, for local privilege escalation and for lateral movement, I think this is what um, gave them the original name Manic Menagerie because I believe. It's just like uh, you know, like like the title uh, implies, like uh, this I don't know crazy uh, circus or crazy um, amount of tools all over the place. You know, they were blocked and tried another one. They blocked and tried another one, and they were kind of also uh, you know up to date with uh, the latest um, releases of local privilege escalation tools. You could actually see them the progress. Uh, as I've said, this uh, you know um, sort of a cat and mouse game. And besides these um, public tools, there, were, there was also the usage of uh, several custom tools, which um, also really um, helped us in attributing um, this uh, activity to the original um, Manic Menagerie research. And yeah, so one of these custom tools was responsible on, uh, on writing the, this, uh, this crazy amount of, uh, of web shells. And... This was the the main tool of interest, you know, like that, that, like it sparked our um, our curiosity in, like, you know, what is this custom tool and why does it write so many web shells? And I think this was like the main um, our main um, pivot point in um, in actually understanding who this threat actor is, and I mean, and starting from there. And then we discovered more and more tools, and um, yeah, well. To, to sum it up, just lots of public tools and some really unique uh, custom tools um, as well. It also shows, uh, if I may, it also shows like uh, the amount of effort uh, that they uh, invested in this uh, campaign. Because it's one thing to use, uh, you know, off the shelf or like, uh, you know, as Daniel mentioned, uh, public tools. But to write your own custom tools, it takes, you know, effort. It takes uh, developers and it also implies premeditated uh intention so it was not just like a you know a fluke or like a a random opportunistic uh i guess a type of attack it, it took some time for them to to build this tool as far as we know they're the only group that uses this uh tool which ultimately helped them to backdoor all of the legitimate uh websites and this is where the impact, I think, um, is 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 really uh, noteworthy to mention because it could be pretty much any websites 
that you can think of. It could be like the neighborhood yoga studio. It could be an insurance company, travel agency, e-commerce, like a small e-commerce business. Hmm. So the the fact that these attackers gained access to these resources can potentially mean data leakage, uh, PII. Uh, you know, we live in a world of a lot of uh, uh, regulations and regulatory fine GDPR. So there, there could be really... Um, let's say, harsh, I guess, consequences uh, for, for such attacks. Uh, not, talk, not even to mention like the legal liabilities, reputational damage that uh, can incur. Because I think that the genius thing here about, um, let's, for instance, selling access of a legitimate website is that a legitimate website enjoys a really good reputation. It's not going to be flagged by firewalls or antivirus uh, software or other uh, security solutions. So, the attackers, uh, what if they want to sell these uh, them as access point or turn them into C two servers for for that matter, so they can really um, use this type of access to conduct nefarious or malicious activity under the guise of a legitimate website. Yeah. So I just wanted to add uh, a little something here. So, in addition to what Asaf said, so I mean. The thing of the of the um, like the point of this public access, I think it's really um you know like crucial to emphasize. I mean, imagine that someone hacks um your web hosting company. I mean, the web hosting company that Riverside.fm uses, and then you have Riverside.fm slash I don't know webshell.aspx. Imagine that like a second this secondary threat actor could just browse to Riverside.fm slash webshell.asp and have access to your website's resources uh, just from the public internet. You know, they don't need like any internal access to the web hosting company anymore, potentially. This resource, you know, for, uh, you know, to running commands or whatever, and it's just publicly available for, um, for them. You, know, you mentioned how opportunistic they are. How do you rate their sophistication? I think... Um... They're not like, like they're not like an APT uh, nation state APT level uh, mm-hmm. in terms of sophistication. As Daniel mentioned before, they use a lot of publicly available tools. You can just you know download and compile from GitHub. So that on its own doesn't show a lot of sophistication. They did develop their own custom tool, uh, which you know it's it's not the state of the art uh, custom tool, but it's it's sophisticated enough. What can characterize this group better is their resilience or and adaptiveness. Um, uh, we mentioned before the, that ongoing cat and mouse game that we, we we've been playing with them for for a couple of months, and you could see how important for them it was to maintain the access that they um, initially gained. Because so, uh, like every time we would block them, they would find or try to find a way to uh, bypass those mitigations. So if, if I had to uh, give them, you know, to describe them with an adjective, it would, not, it would not necessarily be sophisticated more, but I would definitely say resilient or adaptive. Interesting. So what are your recommendations then? I mean, in terms of, of folks best protecting themselves against this sort of thing? Well, um, I think the first thing would be just to maintain a good uh, IT hygiene because, um, as we said, the um, 
the thing that's you know started it all, uh, and not, not only now but in 2018 as well, it's the same vulnerable um, servers and third-party software, which is obviously you no know, third-party software. Um, when unpatched, poses a problem for a lot of organizations. So I think the um, the first thing would do is to uh, patch your software, uh, keep it up to date, and um, kind of you know. I have this patching system as kind of your um, gatekeeper into at least trying to mitigate partially. Yeah, so so definitely, I would say um, it, it it starts with a good IT hygiene, like Daniel mentioned. That the root cause, if you when we did like a root cause analysis of, of most of the uh, intrusions that we rip, um, attribute to this group, and and by the way, a lot of other groups as well. Uh, has to do with poor IT hygiene. So it's really important. It sounds very obvious, right? But like, keep keep your software up to date. Keep uh, um, you know deploy patches, and of course, security in layers. That's a, that's another big thing. You need to have like multiple uh, layers that will protect your your data and and resources. It could be on the um, network side of the house, it could be on the endpoint side of the house, and so on, cloud, there are so many ways. So, but I think, yeah, keeping a good IT hygiene and um, and make sure that your data is well protected using a multi-layered um, approach is the right way to go. It will definitely reduce the attack surface. Uh, it's not gonna be like a 100% um, you know, bulletproof. Uh, what we've learned over the years that when you have a very motivated, well-funded or resourced threat actor, uh, they'll eventually find a way. So what we can do as, as, you know, as defenders or security practitioners is what we, what the only thing is we can do is to try to make their life harder by um, keeping you know, our doors uh, shut and then not opening windows uh, that should not be opened. And the last thing maybe is to conduct a proactive type of uh, hunting. If you're in a, an organization that has like a, a good uh, IT or security department, I think it's a really good uh, or best practice to conduct a periodic proactive uh, threat hunting tasks in order to, um, to find those threats even before you get an alert because usually by the time you get an, an alert from a, from a product, it's almost too late. Our thanks to Asaf Dahan and Daniel Frank from Palo Alto Networks for joining us. The research is titled Manic Menagerie 2.0, the evolution of a highly motivated threat actor. We'll have a link in the show notes. now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and Zero Trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their SASE journey, visit N-E-T-S-K-O-P-E dot com.
The CyberWire Research Saturday podcast is a production of N2K Networks. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Stokes. Our mixer is Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producers are Jennifer Iben and Brandon Karp. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next time. Hold up. 